focus today on that middle section of the gospel, one of our Lord's more famous parables where he compares hypocrisy to looking for that splinter, that speck of dust in someone else's eye while ignoring the law or the larger fault in our own eye. Of course, he's using it to criticize those who look down on others who are hypocrites because they're always looking at the faults of others, gossiping, talking bad about them, but never able to admit their own weakness, their own sin, and their own faults. I think if you ask most people what the root of hypocrisy is, or what the root of this looking down on others, this harshly critical or negative attitude, most people, I think, would probably say that it's pride. And the person who is the one who's always looking for faults in others, gossiping about them, talking down to them, is the one who thinks that they're better. They think they are somehow perfect or flawless and therefore have the right to criticize others in such a way. But the truth is, from my experience as a priest and hearing confessions, doing counseling, and ministering to others, I've realized that pride rarely is the reason that people go about looking for that splinter in the eyes of others. They rarely do it because they think they're better than others. In fact, the answer is quite different, that when I press and talk to people who I know who do this, Quite often I see that the real root is not pride, but in a certain sense, the exact opposite. The real root is often a pretty terrible self-image, sometimes self-hatred, an overly critical attitude of oneself, maybe shame or guilt or insecurity from their childhood or whatever it is. What happens is the person who experiences that who compares themselves to others and thinks that they don't live up, they're not loved enough, they're not good enough, will end up tearing others down, looking for faults in other people and criticizing them. Why? In order to build themselves up, to make themselves feel better. Well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. Or look how terrible that person is. And in the result, they end up feeling better about themselves. So the root isn't pride, but ultimately it's shame and self-hatred and insecurity. This is the root of a lot of issues that I think people tend to face. Not pride or vanity, but instead a sense of self-hatred and a lack of proper self-worth. But what's interesting is that this issue, seems to be pretty prevalent today, can also translate into other areas of life and other issues that sort of, at least tangentially, apply to our gospel today. Because the truth is, if you look at most people who do criticize, who do put down, who are always looking for imperfections, who is the person that we tend to do that to the most? Some might say, well, it's my spouse or my children or my best friend my boss, or even maybe my priest. But the truth is, that's simply not the case. 
quite clearly from my experience, and I think most everybody in here will agree, the individual that we like to look for the imperfections in the most, the individual that we are the harshest and most critical of, tends to be ourselves. I have seen individuals who can be relatively merciful to other people and relatively understanding when it comes to looking at themselves, they tear themselves to shreds every day. Quite often, the root of that is a false perfectionism, a hardness on themselves. Again, maybe coming from that same root of not seeing themselves as good or seeing themselves as loved, a lack of a proper identity. And so that ability to look for faults and criticisms is turned in on oneself ultimately then just making things worse, making the perfectionism worse, making the self-hatred worse, tearing themselves to shreds. And I'm sure we've all experienced that to some degree. So the question then is, what is the solution? How do we work to overcome this tendency that so many of us have, I'm tempted to, to be harshly critical of others in order to build ourselves up, or to turn it in ourselves and to rip ourselves to shreds as a result of our own perfectionism or flawed self-worth. Can't give you, as usual, a solution or a cure-all, but I can offer several things. The first deals with how we will see or how we tend to see or envision Jesus. And so often in talking to individuals who struggle with this, Jesus in their life or in their mind comes off as an accuser. It's someone who they see, wrongly, is there in heaven looking for all the little mistakes they make, waking with that little, waiting for that little book to say, oh, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, and waiting to criticize, waiting to accuse. But the truth is, you can look through the New Testament, you can look through the Gospels, and you never see Jesus doing that. He'll criticize the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, but the people who come to him he never says, Mary Magdalene, why are you wasting all that oil? You're a sinner. You're going to hell. What are you doing that for? The woman caught in adultery. He doesn't pick up a, throw, a stone and says, I'm perfect. Let me throw it at you. He doesn't say, Peter, you're an idiot. Uh, why am I even making you pope? You can't do anything right. Jesus does not accuse. The one who accuses is the evil one, is Satan. And that's quite clear. And so we've got to have it in our minds when we begin hearing that accusatory voice towards others, but specifically towards ourselves, one that pulls us down instead of calls us to a deeper conversion in the mercy of the Father, we've got to reject it. This is not how Jesus speaks. Number two, we need to have a deeper awareness of the merciful love of the Father. Not just love, but the merciful love sort of embodied in the father of the prodigal son, who knows the, the, the fault of the son, who knows what he's done wrong, but is not there to nitpick or condemn, but instead to show that merciful love to him. And we as Catholics are blessed because we have the ideal place for us to not just know it, but to experience it in the sacrament of confession, where we can come and dump all of our sins, talk about our imperfections, talk about our weaknesses, and know that the Lord is going to offer forgiveness through the absolution of a priest, hopefully an experience of merciful love.
but not just through the sacrament. The Lord puts people in our lives that are witnesses to or channels of that merciful love, but so often we don't see it. We focus so much on our own imperfections or the imperfections of others that we can't see that individual who's right in front of us that the Lord wants to use to show that merciful love. And third and finally, sort of trying to wrap this up, uh, I've, I've talked to a number of people about this, and it maybe sort of seems kind of silly, but this summer I watched that documentary on Mr. Rogers. Now, when I was a kid, I guess Mr. Rogers kind of aggravated me. I preferred 321 Contact, but I remember that there was this little puppet, the little Daniel the Tiger, who lived in the clock in make-believe land, and there's a scene that's in the movie, and I've, again, I said I've talked about it a lot lately, but Daniel the Tiger starts singing this little song about how he's a mistake and he's a fake and everything's his fault. Now, looking back, the song went on about two minutes too long. He could have done it in about 30 seconds and it had been enough. What happened is he sang the song and then Lady Aberlin, the, the lady who lived in uh, make-believe land, ends up singing back to him and says, Daniel, you're not a bad guy. You're a wonderful tiger. You're unique. I love you. And what the movie notices and the guy who's commenting on this, this film, you can watch the section on YouTube if you want to, says that what happens is, is after Lady Aberlin sings the song to Daniel the Tiger, Daniel doesn't come back and say in his little song, yes, you're right, I'm great, I'm wonderful, God loves me, I'm perfect just like I am. Instead, he begins singing the same exact thing. The same exact thing to which Lady Aberlin sings the same exact thing, and they go on back and forth. Again, probably about a minute too long, but... I'm a little ADD, so I can't pay attention too long. The point is this, and the guy who's comedy makes this, is that we are going to struggle, all of us, with this idea that we're a mistake, and we're a fake, and we're not perfect, and the Lord puts other people in our lives to tell us this is not true. But guess what? We never fully listen. We never fully understand, and our entire life is going to be this back and forth, back and forth, and that we need to learn patience. It's not like we hear it once and all of a sudden, yes, I'm a beloved son and daughter of God and everything's going to be great. Because of sin, because of concupiscence, we are going to tend back to go to be hard on ourselves and to hard on others, forgetting the name of Jesus and the gift of his merciful love. And so during the course of Lent, we enter into the season in a few days we all have things that we want to and we should give up. And we can give up our sweets, we can give up our social media, we can give up our television. And probably one of the best things that we can do is give up this harshly critical attitude, whether it's pointed at others and pointed towards ourselves. And to do something positive along with whatever penance we have is to live and to acknowledge every day the reality and the presence the merciful love of Jesus Christ. Amen.